throughout the summer, I'm going to begin preaching on uh, the book of Ephesians. Just taking uh, a chapter or a couple chapters and verses just to share throughout the next coming months. We're going to begin with, uh, of course, Ephesians chapter 1. I'll be reading from verses 3 through 10. The title of my sermon this morning is The Mystery of Redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. It says, Praise be to the God, excuse me, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made a known He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put in effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. One of the greatest things that I I really enjoy doing is studying God's word. Most of you know that. Sometimes I can dive into rabbit holes and get caught up in teaching uh, out of Scripture. So um, this is just one of the things that I I really enjoy uh, doing. And one of my favorite tools to use is the Asbury Bible Commentary. I love uh, gaining more wisdom and and, and knowing more about what I'm reading and why I'm reading it. And a couple of things I'll just pull out that I'd, I'd like to share. But the book of Ephesians is often referred to as the best of the Apostle Paul's writings. It's probably his last letter that he writes before his execution while he's imprisoned in Rome. And of all the books written to the churches um, that Paul's ministry had planted, the Ephesian letter is purposed uh, with one goal. And that goal was to move the church further into discipleship, but also enable the church uh, in disciple-making. So the church of Ephesus was the, was the center of Paul's Asian ministry uh, in his third journey. He had spent three years with them while establishing the Christian faith in that region. This church was producing more disciples and converting more people to Christ than any other. Now, unlike the typical Pauline letter, like 1st or 2nd Corinthians, that was uh, also circulated in every church, uh, Ephesians doesn't address any particular local conflict or issue. And that's because at, at the time of Paul's writing, the church of Ephesus was around 10 years old, and they had more mature Christians in it. So Paul writes a letter of encouragement, but at the same time, He's writing to disciple them to move further in their faith in Christ. 
And, and yet while the church was growing and planting new missions and new churches, Paul writes to encourage them into discipling them further and hope that his letter would be passed alongside like First and Second Corinthians uh, in order to help disciple other churches that they were in connection uh, with the Ephesus church. And it's during this time that the Christian faith had come face to faith with other religions. The Bible, the text says new religions such as black magic and cult, uh, cult religion and, and, and the power of demons that had targeted uh, Christians to entice them away from their Christian faith. And having already encountered the new religion sweeping through the province of Asia, Paul wrote Ephesians and the book of Colossians to the believers in Asia to remind them of one central fact about Christianity, is that it was the one thing that no other religion offered more than the gospel, because in Christ, every spiritual blessing had already become theirs. So throughout the summer, we're going to glean some of the spiritual truths that will disciple us further into the abundant living that Christ has promised us. Now, some of it may be a reminder. Some of it might be new. Some of it will challenge our beliefs, but that is what discipleship is supposed to do. As I said, Ephesus is, um, it, it is a, a place where many people are coming to Christ. In the words of my pastor, Randy Wallace, used to say, it was a soul-saving station. It's, it's, a, it's growing, but they have come up against some opposing theology and some opposing teachings that potential Christ followers are weighing out against Christianity and the other religions that they're being drawn uh, to, to become part of. You know, I've had the privilege of leading many people to Christ. I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's the truth. And a week ago Sunday, Janelle and I had the opportunity to lead a young lady in my office, and it was an awesome experience. However, I've learned that just presenting the offering of salvation and the opportunity for a person to get saved doesn't mean that they're going to do it all at once. Growing up, I can remember standing for 10 or 12 verses of just as I am. Now, I, I know that song like by heart and, and the church that I grew up in, even the churches that I ministered in, that was one song that we would sing uh, when we would give an invitation. And I can remember pastors saying, uh, this is the last verse. I'm going to give you one more chance. Don't leave this place without knowing Jesus. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I believe that the Holy Spirit um, you know, is working in people's lives. It's just that that one Sunday might not be the Sunday that they turn their life over to Christ. You know, I was reading the Barna Report, if you're familiar with that, and, and one of the things is that, that, that it talked about um, around people that are making decisions to follow Jesus is that it may, might take two, it might take five, or even seven times uh, of, of uh, events or touches by other people for a person to make a decision to follow after Jesus, to make a decision to make a profession of faith in Christ. And, and that's really what Ephesus is dealing with. People are genuinely weighing out the dynamics of where and in whom they're going to put their faith in. And as a pastor, I really appreciate it when people ask me questions when they're wondering if salvation is the right thing for them. 
I appreciate it when people ask me questions about faith or, or when they ask me about my experience. I enjoy sharing my testimony, and you should enjoy sharing your faith story as well because often people commit their lives to Christ primarily based upon the relationships that they have with you. And it's our job as the people of God to be the Jesus that people see. And Ephesus is in that dynamic, and, and, and they're working through that because people are coming to faith. But at the same time, there are people that are working through some of the dynamics that you know, are holding them back. You know, Sometimes I don't know all the answers, but yet I'll go back in God's Word and study to find them so I can have the right answers as well. See, Ephesus doesn't have the luxury of having Scripture at their fingertips as they deal with these religious groups that have influences in their community. And they're dependent on the letters of the apostles and, more importantly, in Paul in this text. And Ephesians is dealing with these new religions that are stating uh, different things about what it takes to belong to them. In fact, what it takes to, to be redeemed or accepted by a certain God that persons must do this or they must pay that or bow down to this or to earn acceptance and forgiveness. So the redemption story of Jesus, this redemption thing that the Ephesus church is proclaiming is a mystery for those seekers that are outside the church. And this is why the book of Ephesians is written to help and assist those that are new in their faith uh, those that have been in their faith for a long time, to give them the ability to be able to share Christ in an effective way, but also to understand redemption for their own life as well, and to understand the love that God has for them. So in verse 4, Paul doesn't uh, hesitate to disciple Ephesus um, on, on this point and teach them how to answer the mystery of redemption. The mystery of redemption is answered by explaining, number one, that redemption is experienced individually and not predestined. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3. It says, praise be to God the Father, excuse me, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ and love. I like that Paul uses this, these two words, and I picked up on these two words, so you're going to hear me expand on a little bit, but Paul uses the phrase heavenly realms, and he does it on purpose because he knows who he's writing to. He knows the cultural influences of both Judaism and Hellenism that are in Ephesus. Within Judaism, God blessed his people in a very specific way. God always blessed his people in the realms of this world. For the blessing of Israelites pertained to the earth, and it was, therefore, material. I mean, we can look at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 19, where God says, You shall eat the things of this, you shall eat the good things of the land, or a, a land that is flowing with milk and honey in Deuteronomy chapter 27. And that God would bless the fruit of the land in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7, verse 13. So Paul uses this word, he adds the word heavenly as a way to explain how our blessing is spiritual, not physical. 
the phrase also speaks to the Hellenist people as well. Hellenism is a, is a uh, pragmatic, excuse me, is a, uh, a paganistic culture within the Roman Empire. Hellenism believes in religions of many gods. It influences, uh, its influences occur in currency, in Greek language, and social economics, and within philosophy. Greek philosophy rejects that the world is created by the Most High God, and that influence of many gods takes place in the realms. So realms are spaces uh, from which uh, the human mind can interact with these God deities. So when the Apostle Paul uses the phrase heavenly realms, he speaks to both Hellenism, those that are in Hellenism and, and, and in Judaism by incorporating language that the current culture would understand in order to make his instructions uh, his instruction life applicable to both the church and non-Christians alike. It's true for our culture as well. People naturally question the validity of being a Christian or not. Paul doesn't waste time in verse 3 and, and reminds us that it's, that it's Christ that provided the way for you and I to experience the blessings of God. For these spiritual blessings are in Christ and love. That's what the text says. Paul identifies what both Judaism and Hellenism religions lack and something that they can't provide. Redemption comes through salvation in Christ, not because of some earthly dynamic. Redemption comes merely by the love of God and that transaction of God's mercy is what we call grace because we're saved by grace. Here, in the grace of the gospel and in the blessings of Christians, there is nothing earthly. Everything is heavenly. Everything is spiritual. Therefore, our blessing is a spiritual one. Believing in Christ and accepting Him as Savior gives you the right to experience the grace that's in Christ. So we understand that redemption is a spiritual blessing of grace. But how does that work out for us individually? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his, in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, let me just throw a Wesleyan wrench into some false doctrine around the idea of predestination. Predestination and the idea of one being elected are all old covenant teachings. The Israelites were God's chosen people. That's where the idea comes from. But there is no such thing as a person being predetermined to go to heaven or predestined to go to hell. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. It's all about how you read scripture. Okay? Ephesians 1 verse 4. Listen to exactly what Paul says. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now just think about this logically for a moment. When did God choose? He chose before the creation of the world. Hmm. That means that God made this decision 
before the creation of Israel. Well, then who does God choose? He chooses the holy and blameless. Huh. So let me just ask this. Uh, So before you come to know Jesus, before you have made a profession of faith, before you ask Jesus to save you and redeem you, let me just ask, how holy are you? Are you without blame? I know about myself. I was a heathen. I was an addict. I was anything but holy. But how could God choose a people who were holy and blameless then? How does one become holy and blameless when there wasn't any? Verse, uh, in, in verse 4, it says, He chose us in Him. It means that God had a plan for the redemption of the world prior to the world's existence. And that plan is the first work of grace that we know as salvation. The plan is what has been predestined, church, not people. The plan is what has been predestined. We are the ones who elect or choose whether or not we are going to put our faith in Christ. And Paul's capitalizing on what's already uh, been taught through through the widely circulated letters uh, to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 16, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who are reconciled, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, this blows Judaism and Hellenism and pagan religions out of the water because none of them provide grace. This new ideology is what causes other religions to shudder because there isn't a mystery because the mystery was solved when Jesus was died upon the cross. Simply put, God made the choice that those who were to be his would come through Christ. And, and Paul drives this point home in verse number five. It says, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. The Asbury Bible commentary says this, In love he predestined those who would believe in Jesus and who would choose salvation in Christ. Those people would be adopted as his own. See, the destiny of all believers was pre-established through the plan of salvation. Not not, Not just as the people of God. No, they would be the sons of God by adoption through faith in Christ. The new life believers that the new life that believers have is none other than the indwelling of the son of god through the power of the holy spirit because it's through christ that we are made sons of god having both a new relationship and a new uh, position the relationship gives us the right it's the relationship that gives us the title to the father's riches that position grants us privileges associated by belonging to the family of God. But it's our choice. We can be part of the elect because you and I elect whether or not we choose to follow after Christ. That's what it means to be part of the elect. In other words, God just didn't stop with his plan with forgiveness. His plan went beyond that. 
From the beginning, God had established a plan by which sinners might not only be pardoned, but parented through discipleship. Not only absolved, but adopted by grace. Paul moves on from, from Paul moves now from the conception of the plan to its execution. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance to the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. What God intended for believers, he accomplished successfully on Calvary. There, through the blood of Christ, God redeemed from bondage those who needed deliverance from their sin. See, it's in the incarnation, the pre-established purposes of God that was conceived in the mind of God and, and, and anticipated uh, and the types and the shadows of the old covenant was expressed in Jesus Christ. God provided forgiveness of sin. He provided the plan of salvation and redemption from the powers of bondage to us individually so that we could establish a new church of God. God's love for us is not a mystery. Your salvation isn't determined by your race. Your salvation uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't make a difference on who your mother or your father was or if they were a church member or not. Your redemption is not based on works. Redemption isn't a mystery waiting to be solved. It's already been solved. It was solved when Jesus died on the cross for your sins and died and was buried. And it was solved when he resurrected on the third day. Through Jesus, God reveals the mystery of him crucified, his death and resurrection. In the Son, through faith, uh, through faith in God demonstrates through the establishment of the church because we are the new Israel. Since the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and him sending the Holy Spirit, the plan that God destined for our lives before the world was even formed has been totally revealed. The mystery that was hidden through the ages is now uncovered, not by human effort, not by human merit or intelligence, but by the divine pleasure of the almighty God. But the decision to be part of this community lies with you. You are a free moral agent. You can choose whether you want to serve Christ or you can choose if you want to serve yourself. You make the election. That's how you become part of the elect. You elect. You choose whether you want to accept God's love by grace and accept Christ as your Savior and experience the blessings of God or you choose your own way. That's all our time for now. But I challenge you this week to read Ephesians chapter 2, so that way you'll be well versed on what I'll be sharing next Sunday. Blessings.